Luke chapter 5 in your Bibles, if you look at that, I want to point out one verse to you. Notice verse number 8, it says, When Simon Peter saw it. That is the uh, title of the message today, When Simon Peter Saw It. You know, I think we can see things. There's a spiritual sight, eyesight, and then there is a physical eyesight. I don't know of anybody here this morning that uh, cannot see physically, uh, but uh, there there may be people here this morning that cannot see spiritually. And the uh, reason I say that is because you remember the story about Elijah when he was up on, uh, uh, or Elisha when he was up on top of the rooftop and uh, the Syrian army was trying to attack uh, uh, Israel and defeat them. And uh, God was giving Elisha the the battle plans. And he would go to the king and he would say, put all your forces on the southern portion of the country. And he put all his forces there. And then they would try to attack and they couldn't. And then they would try another direction, come in from another way. And God would tell Elisha the battle plans. He would go to the king and tell him. And he would tell him, turn out, take all your forces, put them over here. And then they would uh, they would defeat them again. And they finally figured out that it was Elisha, the one that God was using to help defeat them. So they decided we need to take out Elisha in order to get Israel. So they found out where he lived and where he was staying, and they surrounded uh, the house where he was at. Elisha was sitting on the rooftop. You remember he was sitting up there, and his servant came out, and he had a servant. He's probably bringing him some sun tea, some sweet tea, we call it down south, and walking out with that sweet tea, and he saw all the soldiers surrounding uh, the housetop there. And he looked at him and he said, Elisha, what are we going to do? He said, don't worry about it. There's more of us than there are of them. And he said, well, I don't know where you went to school, but I see one and one that equals two. And the rest around the city, it's, we're surrounded. We don't, we can't escape. And then you know what he said? He said, open his eyes so that he may see. And all of a sudden, Elisha's servant's eyes were opened. And the Bible says that they saw angels camped all around them. And so they were protecting Elijah, Elisha rather. If I say Elijah, I mean Elisha on that. But in any case, uh, I think that's part of the, the uh, like Job had, where he said he had a hedge about him, a protective hedge about him. And, uh, the, you know, the story, they struck him with blindness and led them away uh, to another place. And, and so that's where I think we can see spiritually as well as physically. And uh, uh, years ago, there used to be a, a I, I don't know what it's called, but it's like a picture that would hang on the wall. And I had a tr- I had trouble seeing it. But if you stared at it, and you had to stare at it constantly and not blink, almost like to where your eyes would begin to cross, and then you begin to see another picture within the picture. I, I don't know what it's called, but I remember years ago, some of you are looking kind of funny like I'm not telling the truth, but I'm telling the truth. And then you could back away from it, and literally you could see the picture that was within that picture there. Anybody ever seen it before? You know what I'm talking about? A few people. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, in any case, you can see something that the natural eye cannot see until it focuses a different way. Well, here in our story now, we see that uh, Simon Peter saw something. It doesn't tell us exactly what he saw, but in verse number 8 it says, When Simon Peter saw it. So what was it that Simon Peter saw? What was it that caught his attention? What was it that got his, his attention so, so uh, captivated him so much 
that he went and literally fell down at Jesus' knees. And the Bible says, he said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. It was something we didn't read down that far. We'll look at it in just a moment. But uh, it caused him, he had his own fishing business, and he had him some ships there. And, and when he saw whatever it was he saw, he, he then put his ships in dry dock, went and told his dad, said, Dad, I'm quitting the family business, and I'm, I'm going to be a preacher. I'm following Jesus Christ. And I'm going to do what he wants me to do from this point on. Something Simon Peter saw caused him to quit his business. It caused him to fall down at Jesus' knees and, and confess that he's a sinful man. What was it that caught his attention? Well, if you look in your Bibles here, I think we can find out just a few things that Simon Peter saw. I think, first of all, he saw the results of being obedient to the Word of God. If you look at verse number 5, the Bible says, And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word... I will let down the net. You know the story. They was professional fishermen, and they'd been fishing all night, and they brought the uh, got back the later that morning, they're mending their nets, cleaning things up, putting them away, and the heat of the day was up now, and, and the people had pressed Jesus, and and uh, he, he got on their ship and went out a little bit so he could have some room to preach to the people, and he was preaching to the people, and afterward he told Simon, he said, let down your nets. Notice it says plural, nets for a draught. And uh, he said, Master, it, it's not the time of the day. Now, he was a professional fisherman. He knew the spots you could go to fish. He knew the places you could go. He knew the secret fishing holes of every place where he could throw his nets and bring in a drought. And, and he knew all those places. He knew the time of day that you should be fishing where you could catch more fish. I just got back from a fishing trip. My wife and I, we go each year and, and we go on the Washington coast up there and we take all day and we'll go fishing all day. The fishing in the morning time is always better there. You can limit out in the morning time, but the fishing in the afternoon time, you can't limit out. You can barely get any fish at all. So there's certain, I don't know if it's the weather or if it's the, uh, or what, or the tide of the waters. I'm sure that's part of it. But sometimes it's better fishing than at other times. And, and Peter was a professional fisherman. He knew where to go. He knew what time to fish. He knew what to do and what not to do. And, and certainly right there, just a little space from the shore where if Peter, uh, I'm sorry, where Jesus was preaching and you know, he was teaching to the people there. So you know some little boys were there and they were skipping rocks on the shore and, and uh, making them jump on the water. You know some little boys got into the water and was playing a little bit because honestly, if we were there and we were little kids, hey, forget preaching. I'm going to play in the water, you know. And I'm sure mom and dad had to scold them a little bit or something and bring them back. You listen to the preacher while he's preaching you swim later. But in any case, there's activity going on there. And Jesus said, let down your nets for a draught. And Peter's thinking, I'm going to be embarrassed if I do that. I mean, everybody's watching me. And if they see me cast a net out there, they're going to think I'm crazy. Uh, this is not the place to fish. It's not the time to fish. It's not anything like that. Uh, but, you know, Jesus said, do it. So what I'm going to do, I have to obey him or, 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 or be embarrassed. So he thought, I'll, I'll let down one net. I'll just one net is what I'll do. And, and, and maybe somebody won't ask me what I'm doing. Maybe they'll think I'm just casting for some practice or something to make sure that I, I'm doing it right or I mended it properly or something. And so he said, uh, uh, Nevertheless, at that night, at thy word, I will let down a net. And he did that, and you know the story. He brought a full load of fish in with that net, and, and the Bible says that the ship almost sank. Now, he was a professional fisherman. He did not want to cast out the net, but he did cast out the net. 
And he brought in a great load of fish that day. It just shows us here, when Jesus says to do something, if we obey him, there's some great results can come from obeying what Jesus says to do. Now, Jesus isn't here physically to speak to us. But we do have his word right here that he gave to us. And the Bible says he has elevated his word above his own name. So we see here that if we can just obey the word of God, that great results can happen if we do what the Bible says. See, when Rahab was told when uh, spies returned, if the thread, and it's not literally a thread, when you think of a thread, you think of like a, a sewing or something, it was more like a rope, I think, but it was a scarlet covered rope. And he said, if you let down the thread when uh, when I return, then you and your family will be safe. She did exactly what they did and they were brought out safely. It was Joshua uh, that obeyed the Lord when, when uh, he said, march around Jericho one time and seven times on the seventh day and blow the trumpets and the walls began to fall down. It was their obedience that caused the walls to fall down. When Samson obeyed God, he had the power of God on his life. When Joseph obeyed God, the Bible says he prospered. When Saul was obeying God, his kingdom prospered. And when Naaman was uh, told to go dip in the river seven times to get rid of his leprosy, he didn't want to do it. But when he obeyed on that seventh dip, he came up with no leprosy at all on his on his body. When the widow was told to make a a, a cake for Elijah first and she didn't want to do it. She said uh, uh, she said, uh, I've only got one little handful of uh, cornbread meal here or something and, and we're going to eat that, me and my son, and we're going to die. I mean literally a famine had brought everything down to nothing. And I used to be a little bit upset with Elijah. He would go there and he'd say, imagine going to a little widow woman and saying, uh, can you get me a cup of water? And that's nothing. Uh, go get you a cup of water. And then he says, bring me a, something to eat back first. And she says, I have nothing. Just me and my son here, and we're going to die after we eat this piece of a piece of bread. I like to picture it being cornbread or something like that. But couldn't you imagine? And she says, uh, I'm going to do that. And Elisha says, no, don't you do that. You make me a cake first. I thought, well, you selfish individual, you. Here's a young woman and her son going to die, and you're wanting the cake, the only piece of bread she has. But here, I read something about that a moment ago. Well, not a moment ago, but a while ago. And the Bible says to Elijah, he said, you go over here. He said, I've commanded a widow woman to sustain thee there. So in other words, God told this widow woman, this preacher's going to come by and you take care of him. And then when he finally came by, she said, uh, I, I don't have anything but just enough for me and my son. You know, it's amazing to me how when God tells us to do something, we somehow think that surely God's not talking to me. Surely he means the guy next door. Surely he means deacon so-and-so. Not me. He knows my circumstances. He knows what what, what, what situation am I, I'm in. But you know, the Bible Bible says when we obey the word of God, great things can happen in our life. I wonder what would happen in your home if you just picked up this book right here and you began to read it. And every time you came across a place that says do something, if you began to do it in your life, I wonder what would happen in your home. And when you read something that says, uh, I don't like this right here, or you, you shouldn't be doing this. If you stop doing that in your life, I wonder what would happen in your home. I bet it would make your home. See, Jesus knows more about raising a home than we do. And he knows how to about more about raising a family than we do. And he knows more about raising children than we do. And he knows more about all those things than we do. But if we would just obey the word of God, great things can happen in our life. 
We see here that when Israel was given Canaan, they said, you march over into Canaan and the place where the sole of your foot treadeth upon. He said, I've given that land to you. They had to obey God and march over into that land. Rahab's survival depended on her being obedient. Naaman's cleansing depended on him being obedient. The widow with a barrel of meal depended on her being obedient. And the Bible doesn't say that the barrel of meal filled, but it never failed at all. And so we may not have all the wants in our life, but we'll definitely meet all the needs in our life if we just obey God. When Peter walked on water, and we criticize him today, but he still holds a water walking record to this day other than Jesus Christ. But he obeyed the word of God. And he took one word. He said, Jesus, if it's really you, bid me to come on the water. And Jesus said, come. And he took one word and squeezed enough power out of that one word to walk on water. I'd just imagine if we would take this book right here and begin to read it and obey it and do exactly what it says, great things could happen in our homes. Great things could happen in our lives. What do you think would happen in your ministry if you began to obey the Word of God? What would happen in Dad in your life if you read the Bible and obeyed what it said? Hey, Mama, if you did what God said, I wonder what would happen in your life. And your children might be a little bit more obedient and so forth, if we just do exactly what God says to do. Samson had the power of God when he obeyed. Rahab's survival when he obeyed. We need to learn to obey. You know, it's like an animal. You train an animal to do exactly what you want. They know what you want. And I'm not going to embarrass Tim, but I'll just tell you a little story about him here. And and uh, years ago, uh, they had some uh, the, some money, and they wanted to get something. I think they had uh, fifty dollars a piece. I don't know where they got it. If, if if we got it or somebody gave it or whatnot, and you know, he'll fill in the details. I just give you the big picture, you know. And and uh, our son John back here, he wanted one of those new uh, Xboxes or something. Although it was an Xbox back in that time. Uh, uh, in my day, it was. Well, they didn't have anything in my day, but as I got older, it was Atari. And, uh, you know, little frogger, leapfrogger that goes across and now nobody play that. You know, they're starting to come back though, but he wanted one of those games. And so I, I, I think it was a habit I wanted them to break. And uh, so each one had a different habit. And I said, if you break the habit, I'll give you anything you want. And my wife says, you better be glad they didn't ask for a car or something like that. And so I, I, it was about $50 each or something like that. And so uh, John wanted an Atari set, some kind of Game Boy or something, you know. And, and Tim wanted a dog. And so uh, uh, they both broke their habit that they had. I think one was biting their fingernails or something. I don't know which one. It's, it's not important now. But, but uh, And so Tim got a dog and John got his Atari set. And uh, we went down to the pound and let him pick out a dog that he wanted. And he picked out that dog. And the dog's name was Hank. Am I right? Is it Hank? And Hank was a, he was an all right dog, but he was an outside dog, you know. And, and Hank dug holes everywhere in our yard. We had a fancy, when we bought our house, they had a dog house that was painted to match our house. Just like if you built a shed in your yard and you wanted to ma- match the house or something. And that dog literally, literally ate the roof off that house ate the door off that house, ate everything. I mean, it wasn't fit to live in anymore for a dog. We had some outdoor carpet on our patio, and he started at the corner of the outdoor patio and tore all that carpet off our outdoor patio. Well, that didn't seat well with me at all, you know, and so discipline time had to come, you know, and so I disciplined his dog. But we had a problem with the dog. He would howl all night long. And, you know, after about a week, or I don't know how long it was, that you get tired of hearing that. So I said, we've got to get rid of that dog. But it's a gift. It's what he wanted. So I had, I had devised a plan to get rid of that dog. 
I came home one day. I didn't do it that morning. I came home one day. I said, Tim, I said, someone is looking for a dog. And they offered me, they, they, they saw your dog and they said they'd, they'd give you $50 for your dog. He said, well, I don't know. He didn't really want to do it. I said, well, you just think about it. Let me know. I let the next night say, I didn't get up and try to quieten the dog down after that. I said, when the dog would howl at night, I said, Tim, go quieten your dog down. Getting up at one o'clock in the morning every night to go quieten the dog down gets old after a while. After a couple of days, he came to me and says, Dad, uh, does that guy still want to, want to, uh, buy the dog? I said, yes, he does. He said, are you wanting to sell it? He goes, yeah, well, right here. I gave him $50. So what'd you do with the dog? Took him back to the pound. Got rid of the dog. He wouldn't obey. If they would obey, if you could look at a dog and say, be quiet, and he would be quiet, that would be wonderful. But when they want to be rebellious, then you can't really do too much. Some of you are looking at me real mean, like, I can't believe you did that to our pastor. But anyway, he's, he's okay. He didn't get a heart broke over it. You know, he's all right. He got 50 bucks out of it. But anyway, but, uh, I'm just saying today, what did Peter see? He saw the results of being obedient to the word of God. And I hope you can see it this morning. If you can just look and see that it, great things could happen in your life and in your home and in your ministry on the job, if you just begin being obedient to the word of God. Of God. But that's not all. Look at verse number nine, if you will, please. And let's read that verse. The Bible says, for he was astonished at all that were with him at the great drought of fishes, which they had taken. You know the story. They filled the ship and the ship began to sink and so forth. And he saw that what would happen when you step back and let Jesus take over. Remember, Jesus said, cast your net for a drought. He said, I'm not, I don't want to do that. We've toiled all night, but <laughs> nevertheless, at thy word, I'll do it. And he brought that in. It wasn't the place to fish. It wasn't the time to fish. It wasn't any of those things. And he saw a great drought of fishes that was brought in. And Simon realized something. He realized something. This is not an ordinary man. Someone that can say cast a net right here just a little ways from shore and bring in so much fish that is going to make my boat to sink. This has to be none other than than the Messiah that we've been looking for. And so they realize that this man here, if he let Jesus take over whatever he's going to do and we just do what he says, that something good can happen. I mean, you can't explain what happened, how that great drought of fishes came in. Only God can do this. Now, there's a problem with that, though. Sometimes we attach things to about being with God, that really is not God. You remember in Exodus when Moses was going before Pharaoh and he told the Pharaoh, let my people go. He cast down his, his staff and it became a serpent. Pharaoh's magicians did the same thing. Remember that. He said something again. The second one was with frogs and Pharaoh's magicians did the same thing. So the Satan can duplicate some of the things that Jesus does. But when the lice came, uh, the magicians were forced to say, this is the finger of God and only God can do this. I'm saying there's certain things that only God can do. And Simon Peter realized that there were certain things that this had to be God. And I just wonder today, if you get out of the way and let God have His way in your life, let God have His way in your marriage and in your ministry, on the job, if you just become a servant of God instead of we wanting to rule and sit on the throne and let God rule in our lives and we get out of the way and let God accomplish what He wants, through you as an individual, great things can happen. You know, he knows more about marriage than we do. He knows more about uh, life than we do. 
He knows more about raising a family than we do. He knows more about finances than we do. He knows more about home than we do. If we would just step back and get our plans and our ideas and what we think is going to work and set them aside and let God do what He wants to do, great things can happen. I used to, uh, when I got out of the military, I went to welding school. And uh, they teach you how to weld uh, plates and pipes. I was going to be a, a, a welder at a nuclear power plant in Tennessee where I was raised. And, and uh, they'd put a pipe about a foot off the ground, and you had to learn to weld all the way around it and, and then fill it up. And then you had to cut out a chunk like that and grind it down smooth and then bend it. And you could not have any flaws at all. It had to just come out perfect. And uh, I was having trouble in the beginning uh, welding because you had to learn to weld with the stick welding and the TIG welding and uh, the MIG welding, all of that, you know. And, and when that stick, you know, it's about that long and you got to kind of brush it, you know, and get that little movement going and it would stick every time. You know, it'd just be stuck and you got to break it off, try again, it just stuck. And I was having trouble getting it down. Eventually, the welder came up behind me and he said, hold the rod. And I held the rod like this and now let me hold your hands and let me show you how to do it. And he came up and he put his hands around mine, just like I'm holding this microphone here. And he took the rod and he said, now, don't you do it. You, you, you just be limber. Let me do it. And see, I was trying to do it myself. He said, just just let me do it for you, holding my hand. And he took that rod and he struck it on the metal. And of course, it began to melt, melt and, and weld away. And that's what God is wanting to do in our lives. He's saying, let me take your life and I can do great things with it. Let me take that ministry you're with and just you just do what I say and, and let me do accomplish my will. Great things can happen in your life. Joshua, when he was getting ready to go into Jericho, you know the story was there and, and Jer Joshua was praying that night. I picture it like no man's land. Those of you that's been in the military, you got the enemy's side over there, you got our side over here in between, kind of like the demilitarized zone over in North and South Korea. There it's no man's land, they call it. Joshua was out praying one night and he was praying and he was saying, oh God, we need your help. Oh God, we're going in against a country that, that's fortified and I got just an untrained army here. I need your help. And he was praying and all of a sudden he saw someone, you know, and he didn't know who it was. He said to the person, are you for me or against me? Because he didn't know which side they were on. And the, and the answer came back was nay. He said, are you for me or against me? He said, nay. He said, but as captain of the Lord of hosts am I come. In other words, Joshua was saying, are you on my side or are you on their side? And the captain of the Lord of hosts said, I'm on neither side. He's saying, I come to take over, not to join up with you. I come as captain, not as lieutenant or or a, or a private. He said, I come as captain of the Lord of hosts. I come to take over. And if you want to win the battle tomorrow, Joshua, you need to join up with me. And that's exactly what they did. He said, oh, you got some great battle plan you were going to have. You got some secret weapons we've never seen before that you're going to introduce. He said, I got some great weapons. He said, what are they? Trumpets. Trumpets. He said, trumpets, how are you going to win a battle with trumpets? He said, hey, I'm fighting this battle, not you. Marched around one time and they, they told the people, don't you say a word. Can you imagine when they came? And if you read that story, when they finally got there, when Rahab saw the people, she said, we heard how the Lord dried up the Red Sea for you. Wait a minute, that was 40 years ago. They've been in the wilderness for 40 years. And when the spies finally got there, she said, we've been waiting for you. Everybody's heart is melted. Everybody's worried. A big thing, you know, you know how they would say back when we were kids, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. It's supposed to cause some fear in someone. They would say, the Israelites are coming. People say, oh, don't say that unless you really mean it. Don't you cry wolf unless they're really there. And they finally showed up. But he said to Joshua, he said, I'm coming to take over. 
I'm not going to join you and do your will and do your plan. I've got my own plan. You join up with me, Joshua, and we'll win the battle. You know the story. They, the, the walls fell down flat. See, when Moses got to the Red Sea and, and they were trapped on either side by the wilderness, the Egyptian army coming behind them, and the people began to talk about stoning Moses, and he came to God and said, God, what are we going to do? He said, stretch your hand out over the water, and it parted waters, and they walked over on dry ground. See, if you just step back and let Jesus take over in your life, Great things can happen. I know you've wondered it if you're a Christian here today. I know you've wondered whether or not if you just really read this Bible here. I mean, uh, uh, what would happen if I really obeyed what it said? When I was a little boy, my mom and dad divorced when I was six years old. And uh, I wasn't saved. I didn't get saved after I got out of the military. But even at six years old, I said, I said when my mom and dad finally divorced, I went to live with my grandmother for a couple of years and then uh, when my mom met my stepdad and they brought us back down to Tennessee and so forth and, and, uh, but I, I said then when, when they divorced, I said, you know, marriages would work out okay if people would just do what the Bible says. I said, that is a lost little boy. If people would just do what the Bible says. But you know something, I've been pastoring long enough now that when people get angry and people get mad, they do what they want to do despite what the Bible says. But we've gotten to the point in our Christian lives that we want to live how we want to live and do what we want to do. And then when a problem comes, we want to go to our Savior and say, Lord, bless me in spite of how I live. It doesn't work that way. We want God's blessings. We've got to obey Him. And I know there is forgiveness. First John 1, 9, we can confess our sins. He's faithful, just forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is there and He will forgive you, but He doesn't take away the consequences. There are consequences for disobedience. There's another thing I want you to see here that, and, and we'll be finished. Look at verse number 10, if you will, please. And it says, and it was so as James and John, the sons of Zebedee, uh, that which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not from henceforth thou shalt catch men. He's saying to Simon, you're going to catch men this way. Just like you caught this great amount of fish. He said, you're going to catch men that way. Look at verse 11. It says, and when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. What did Simon Peter see that day? What was it that caught his attention? What was it that caused him to fall down at Jesus' knees and, and say, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord? What was it that caused him to, to give up his business and, and go and become a preacher and follow Christ? He saw the effect that his surrender would have upon others. Notice the picture. Jesus said, cast out your nets for a draught. And they did and brought in a great load of fish. And their ships began to sink. He, 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 he beckoned to uh, James and John, which the Bible says were partners with him. He said, come help us. And they filled the ships and the ships began to sink. They got back to land and Peter said, I, I, he realized this is not just an ordinary man. This has to be the Messiah that we've been waiting for. He goes to him and he kneels down before him and he says, you need to depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And, and Jesus ignores what he says. And he says, listen, you're going to catch me in the same way you caught fish. He then leaves and he puts his boat in dry dock. He goes to his dad and he says, dad, I'm quitting the fishing business. I'm going to follow this man, Jesus Christ, and I'm going to become a preacher and do what he says. And, and so he put his boat in dry dock. Remember now, he had partners, James and John. James and John is watching what's happening. They also saw the fishes brought in and the boats began to sink. They also saw Peter kneel down at Jesus' feet and say, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O oh, oh Lord. They also saw Peter put his boat in dry dock and say, I'm quitting the fishing business and I'm following you now. And you know what happened? When they saw Peter surrender, 
they did likewise. See, you have an influence. Everybody has an influence. And if you'll surrender to God, someone else watching will surrender to God as well. We all see it in when it comes to bad thing, when you hang around the wrong crowd, if someone gets around the wrong crowd, eventually that good person is going to start doing what the bad people do. And I, I don't mean necessarily bad in, in a sense. I think you know what I mean. But I'm just saying, you have an influence. And if you'll do right, your friends will do right. And your neighbors will see that. And they'll begin to do right. We have an influence. And those people that are watching us, if we do right, they'll do right. Remember the story of the maniac of Gadara? He was a man that nobody wanted to have anything to do with. He was an unsaved man. He didn't wear any clothes, the Bible says. He ran around wild and, and just, just did what he wanted to do. The, the people of the community was embarrassed of him. They wanted to get rid of him. They dreamed and longed for the day that he would be a memory in the past. They were just embarrassed of him. The Bible says they even tried to capture him and tie him up. But because he had demons possessed strength, he could break chains and fetters. They kept their children away from them. They kept their wives away from him. They, they even themselves, they kept away from the maniac of Gadara. They were just embarrassed of a nuisance in society. Just be gone. And they dreamed of the day he would just be a memory of the past. One day Jesus shows up. He goes to this man and the Bible says he came out to meet him. Now when the Bible says that this man came out to meet him, he wasn't just coming out there to see who it was. That word, the words come out means he came out to defend his territory. Because when people passed by that way, he would attack them and, 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 and beat them up and whatnot. And, and so when Jesus showed up, he came out there with a force to attack him. But he didn't meet just any man. He met Jesus Christ. And he got saved. You know the story. He found him some clothes somewhere and he put his clothes on. And he's sitting at Jesus' feet now, listening to him teach the Word of God. And then someone ran into town and told the town people that he got saved and that the swine had killed themselves. And, and they came out to see what happened. And you'd think they'd be excited about it. You'd think they'd say, man, he's been a nuisance for years and you finally took care of it. They said, no, we want you to leave. Can you imagine someone coming to town, say Sherman had something that needed to be taken care of and you tried for years and, and someone came and finally took care of the problem? You'd be grateful. But they told him to leave. Well, this man that just got saved now, he's sitting there. He knows how they treated him. He knows how they wouldn't let anybody talk to him. They created the problem so, somewhat themselves by, by just trying to tie him up and all, trying to contain him. Well, he came and he said, let me go with you. And Jesus said, no, you go home and tell your friends what I've done for you. Wait a minute, he didn't have any friends. But that's exactly what he did. The Bible says he went and published throughout the country what Jesus did. He published it. Jesus said, I want you to be an ambassador for me. I want you to go and let other people see your lives, the drastic change that has taken place so other people can see what's happened in your life, how you was a rebel one day and now you're yielded to me the next and how you wanted your own way one day and now you want my way the next. And if we would just stop wanting our own way and want His way, others that are watching, we can have an influence upon. You would think the maniac of Gadara would not have any influence whatsoever. But that's not true. Jesus said, you go back and you show the friend, your friends what I've done for you. Picture him walking back into town. 
I could imagine because they tried to contain him before and tie him up before that they would have some kind of alarm system set up where if he showed up in town, they would blow the horn or something and, and people would run into their houses and they'd lock the doors and pull the shades down so that they, he would think they're not home and maybe hopefully bypass their house and go to another. As he comes into town, the siren begins to sh- to, to uh, alarm maybe and people began to run into their homes and shut and lock the doors and windows and pull down the shades and he's coming. He walks right through town. Where do you think he's going? I think he's going to his own home, his own house. I could picture as he walks down this, as a well, preacher, the Bible doesn't say he's married. Well, I know that, but this is my story. You know, you tell it the way you want when you're there, you know. And so he's walking down the sidewalk, and mind you now, he turns to the sidewalk that goes to his house. He opens the little gate and walks in, shuts it behind him. He walks up to the door, and he begins to knock on the door. Of course, Mama's inside. She's got Johnny and Susie. They're hiding behind the couch. And Johnny, you know how those boys are. You never can contain them. They want to see, you know. So he peeks out when Mama's not looking. He goes to the shade, and he looks like this. He goes, Mama, come here, look, look. She goes, Johnny, you get back here. He'll see us. So, Mama, come here quick. Look. He's got clothes on. Mama, come look. He's cut his hair. Mama, come look. He's different now. He begins to knock and call her from the outside. Hey, let me in. I'm a different man now. I've met Jesus Christ now. Let me in. And reluctantly, maybe she opens the door eventually. And he comes inside and he sits down. He brings his family up close to him. And he says, let me tell you what happened. I met a man named Jesus. And he changed my life. You know, it's happened in maybe some of your lives here. I wasn't the best of citizens in the in America before I got saved. And when I got saved, my life totally changed. I used to work for an auto parts company. I realize the time I'll be finished in a moment, but. It was called Curtis Auto Parts in Athens, Tennessee. It was a junkyard that had new and used auto parts along with it. And on Friday and Saturday nights, the owner's son and I, we were good friends, and we would ride around in his cars and and do things that lost people do. You know, I was 11th and 12th grade, and we got into trouble and hot rod around. One, one of my friends had a 55 Chevy. You know, if we only knew how much those cars would be worth one day, we would have took care of them. We would hot rod around in that thing, run in the ditches and everything, and just cause havoc in society, you know. And and uh, one day I got saved. My wife in, invited me to church, and we wasn't saved then. We was engaged, and she lived in North Carolina where I was stationed in the Army. And I went back to visit her and got saved, long story. And and uh, when I went back to Tennessee, I told uh, Jimmy. He was walking out to take a spindle off a car one day, and he, I said, Jimmy... You'll never guess what happened to me yesterday. This is Monday after getting saved on Sunday. He said, what's that, Terry? I said, I got saved yesterday. He goes, you did? I said, yeah, I did. He said, I'm a Christian too. I said, what? You're a Christian? No, I'd never guess that in his life. He said, why don't you go to church with me tomorrow? I said, you go to church? He goes, yeah, every Sunday. Now, I knew where he was at on Friday night, and I knew where he was at on Saturday night, but I never dreamed he was at church on Sunday morning. I said, you go to church? He goes, yes, I do. I said, well, this preacher back here, he told me where to go to church first. I want to try that one, then I'll try yours next. He said, what's the name of the church? I said, Fairview Baptist Church. He said, that's where I go to church. I never knew he went to church. I never knew he was a Christian. Nothing. 
He said, you come over on Sunday morning, we'll have breakfast, and we'll go to church together. I'll be there. Went over, had breakfast, went to church. Here's the thing. I never knew Jimmy was saved. I never knew Jimmy went to church. You never know it by his lifestyle. You never know it by his vocabulary. You say, was he saved? I don't know. That's between him and God. But I didn't know it. He did not have any spiritual influence in my life whatsoever. But you know something? I just imagine if I could have been saved sooner, if Jimmy would have been a Christian. If he would have spoke up and said something. I'm just saying, if you surrender, others will see what you do. And you have an influence on them. Simon Peter saw it, the Bible says. He saw the results of being obedient to the Word of God. Just imagine what would happen in your life and in your home if you picked up this book and began to read it and obey it instead of just ignore it. Imagine what would happen when, as Peter, when he saw what would happen when he stepped back and let Jesus take over. And maybe there's a situation in your life you've tried to fix it and you've tried to do this and it, nothing will work. You need to let, let Jesus take over and let Him work out the problem. And then if you would just surrender... And just say, I, I think this. When someone finally humbles themselves and they say, okay, Lord, I trust you as my Savior. You know how some of us, we, we resist salvation, you know, we want, and God has to put a little pressure on us. And finally we get to the point where we say, I surrender and we're, we get saved. I think there needs to come a time in our lives where we also come to an old-fashioned altar not to get saved, because once you're saved, you're always saved, but to look up to God and say, God, I'm going to take my hands off my life. I'm going to surrender to you. And it's not surrendering to be a preacher or surrendering to go into be a missionary or anything like that. It's just surrendering, saying, I'm the servant. You're the master instead of the other way around. I wonder what would happen in your home if you do that. If you just let Jesus take over in your life. If you just be obedient to the Word of God, and if you just surrender, I just wonder what would happen. What great things we could have if we would just surrender.